I V M. Hello and welcome to Conversations at Takshashila. I'm Yazad and today we have Anupam to discuss the angel tax and how it's affecting startups in India. So Anupam, tell us something more about this angel tax. Hi Yazad. Um, imagine you're the CEO of a small startup. Uh, you've just started off, you're actually doing quite well. Uh, just recently you've begun to even make profits. Uh, you get into office one day and uh, you, know, you check your bank account as you do. And find that uh, your four accounts, all of them have zero bank balance and the accounts are frozen. Wouldn't that be a nice surprise? It would be shocking. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's precisely actually what happened with a couple of startups in the recent week. Uh, one of them is Travel Kana. Uh, I'm guessing it's some kind of food uh, delivery startup. I'm not really sure what they do, but um, that actually takes the second uh, you know <laughs> tier in all of this. Because um, what happened was that uh, similarly, the CEO uh, just checked his account and found that all of his money had been wiped out and the accounts were frozen and he had also received a letter saying that this was done by the CBDT, which is the Central Board of Direct Taxes. Uh, went into a panic mode, as you can imagine, uh, tried to find an explanation for it and found out that this was because uh, they were sent a notice in December uh, last year in 2018 about uh, you know them not having paid angel tax. And uh, thus, they just kind of withdrew all of that money and said, this is the tax amount you owe us. So, they just, the director of the Central Bureau of Direct Taxes just took all the taxes directly from their account without a court order or anything of that sort. Yeah, that's how it seems. So, uh, of course, there have been developments since, but we, I mean, let's not go into that right now. So, uh, that's, this is, this, I mean, this has happened to two uh, startups and uh, there have been various levels of such kind of what you would call as tax terrorism that's been happening to many other startups, all because of this new thing called angel tax. So what exactly is this angel tax? So uh, basically angel tax is, uh, let me give you the official definition and then we can kind of dissect it and understand what it means. Uh, but basically this taxes any investment made by an Indian entity into an unlisted Indian company above what you would call as a fair market value. Okay, so uh, and it would treat this as income. So that's that's basically what an angel tax is. Now, essentially, you have small startups who are obviously they're not listed companies because they're, you know, quite small. So they're trying to get uh, they're trying to raise money. So let's say they have a good proposal on board. They try to get angel investment, uh, which is, you know, investment right at the beginning stages, even before venture capitalists kind of step in. Uh, this is where they would uh, kind of raise money in the this thing. So you would have angel investors coming in and say, okay, this is your market valuation and uh, I think there is potential here and they would invest in the company. So now this has, uh, traditionally this is not taxed, whereas uh, because of a rule change in 2012 and so on, this has started being taxed. And I think that really hurts your startups. It would, uh, but the first thing I want to ask is, who determines was a fair market price? Because to the best of my knowledge, if if two individuals, you know, the angel and the person in charge of the company, uh, agree on a market valuation for that company, it's the angel's money. So why should anybody else determine who determines the fair market price? Precisely, yes. I think th you've hit the problem right, you know, the, the nail in the head. So uh, this is exactly what is extremely contentious about all of this. Uh, it's just that in the definition it, itself, you have this thing called fair market value. 
and the big uh, question which is always asked is how do you determine this fair market value now of course there are methodologies that the tax department has for example uh, they do something they 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 follow something called the net asset value whereas uh, investors actually say that you should not be doing that but you should follow some other thing called discounted you know uh, cash, cash flows flow. yeah so uh, that by itself i think determines you know two different approaches will determine how you uh this thing but leave those technicalities aside i think there's a bigger problem here that you're leaving far too many discretionary power with uh an official uh who may or may not have the level of knowledge uh and uh, you know uh, required to actually determine the fair market value and even if he did again i think your bigger question is you know should we leave this much amount of discretion at the hands of an official no because i think that kind of discretion ends up being destructive in some way or the other which we are seeing right now the other the thing i was reading about it is part of the rationale for having this was the income tax department was seeing these shell companies that were being used uh, largely to convert black money into white right. where a company was uh, you know created with uh, no assets really uh but you know money was parked into it and then you know it was kind of laundered through that company without going into all the extraneous details uh the reason for this tax is basically to uh, you know penalize these shell companies but have we kind of gone too far yeah so this this was actually done in 2012 uh the angel tax was introduced as a money bill in 2012 uh and um, so that made changes to the income tax act of 1961 and basically what they were trying to do was prevent money laundering through uh these new startups so uh, what was happening and and fair dues i mean i think that was a problem that they had to contend with but what was happening is you would have these yeah shell companies who would have inflated kind of share values uh, which would be issued and you'd have other people who would invest in this and so that would be like one channel for money laundering but uh, as you say i think in an order to curb this problem you've created another monster which is now genuinely preventing uh you know rather preventing genuine startups from actually raising money and uh, investors from investing in uh, and looking out for good opportunities so um yeah as as always you might praise the intentions but you know they're nothing but the stepping stones towards hell right yeah because we did talk about you know the bureaucrat having these discretionary powers it begs the question do they have the ability to differentiate between what is a shell company and what might be an actual startup which would be doing money and which have some net assets and would have a positive discounted cash flow right so do they have that dis- the, the, the distinction or it's just done on you know some kind of as you correctly said earlier tax terrorism yeah i i mean i honestly highly doubt uh, the fact that that level of expertise exists uh, on on because think about a, a startup which is just you know uh, well starting uh, if it's a technology based company which as of now might not have anything but they actually have a very good business plan going ahead it might be a biotech company which has been working now honestly i don't understand any of these things i, I don't understand i mean the what would be a uh the market valuation but as you rightly pointed out it's a market which is best able to determine these things not an official not academics uh not researchers and so on but it would be the market so the p- money who the person who's putting their money in 
is the best person to decide what the valuation is. Now, an official can't say this is above the fair market value, right? Uh, so, the problem exists at two levels, right? One is just even recognizing which is a you know fake company and which is a genuine startup because in the beginning you might not it's not as easy as it sounds and second is actually you know coming up with the uh, the valuation of it so a lot of times we've i mean we've heard so many people speak about uh, even you know established giants like flipkart or walmart and amazon and so on we think that their valuation is far you know beyond what people would consider fair market value now would you go and actually say that no uh, look at the kind of series of uh, valuation. I mean, this thing that's been raised, funding that's been raised by some of the you know established companies. I remember in two thousand and six when Microsoft put some money into Facebook, they valued Facebook at that point ten billion dollars, right. and everybody thought you know Microsoft was going completely batty. But Facebook has turned out to be much larger company and is worth many multiples of ten billion dollars today. So precisely the same thing happened when Facebook acquired WhatsApp. Now, whatever valuation of WhatsApp was there, I, people thought that was far too much for uh, simple messaging, uh, this thing. But of course, Facebook knew what it meant. So, yeah. Uh, and if they don't, if the angel makes a mistake, it's the angel's money that's being lost. I mean, uh, you are, it's, a, it's a risky proposition. Any kind of investment is a risky proposition. And we should let the person who makes the risk reap the rewards instead of putting in some sort of spanner in the works in this angel tax. Yeah, precisely. So and, and so just to kind of complete the loop on this, uh, going with the official, I mean, you know, the definition, there are two other problems with it, apart from the fair market value. One of them is that it actually treats investment as income. Now, yes. that is problematic when it comes to basic economics. Investment is not equal to income. So, I mean, if you're putting a tax, it's this angel tax is actually a tax on income. So, they're treating that whatever valuation you do over and above the fair market value, they treat that as an income and thus it's a tax on income. Now, that according to me is extremely kind of uh, suspicious, right? Because if investment is income, wouldn't... Public share offerings also need to be taxed. <laughs> right. Don't, don't give them ideas here, Seth. <laughs> because those are also investments. Yeah. So that that is one really big problematic uh, thing with this angel tax. The second one being, and, and uh, again, note, it's uh, the, the investment made by an Indian in, uh, entity into an unlisted uh, Indian company. So if a foreigner invest into an Indian uh, unlisted Indian company, that is, you won't get angel tax on that. So this is the opposite of what we were discussing last week when we were discussing uh, the e-commerce regulations where it benefited Indians and yeah. discriminated against foreigners. Yeah. So now to balance things out here, <laughs> we are discriminating against Indians yeah. and benefiting foreigners. Yeah. So non-resident in, uh, entities, uh, anyone who's outside of India can easily invest into Indian startups, uh, do these angel investment and so on without really uh, going through the angel tax, right? Uh, without being, you know, uh, subject to the angel tax. Just doesn't make sense to me. And of course, if you look at it purely from a money laundering thing, I guess they're saying that it's okay if uh, you know foreigners launder foreign money via the Indian startup ecosystem, but Indians should not launder Indian money. I I don't know. <laughs> you tell me if it makes sense. No, it actually doesn't really make that much sense. So, so let's go on to. I mean, I think the the bigger picture here, right? Because uh, neither you nor I are uh, really qualified to, you know talk about the technicalities of taxation and so on. Neither of us are accountants. But uh, what I think we can do is, 
you know talk about the consequences of such a move right yes. what what does it mean for a the indian startup ecosystem what does it mean for investors what does it mean for um just generally i mean the investment climate that's there in india before that i was just saying you know we were talking about bureaucracy so there is this new thing that if you have if you are certified by the department i think let me just get the right name of that department it's dpitt yeah the new one yeah so if you are certified by that department uh then you do not need uh, to pay this tax so you're adding a new layer of bureaucracy oh yeah yeah oh the, yeah the, so those who are registered with the government so this was a clarification they came up with uh in fact the original bill did not have this but then they clarified saying okay uh, we're going to exempt all of those who have already registered with the indian government and with this department whatever uh, and gotten that license then you know you're exempted from this but those who are not uh, will still have to pay income tax now again a majority of the startups are not registered uh, in with this department and they don't have the necessary licenses because well they're just starting up correct and so we're adding this layer of bureaucracy uh you know to solve another bureaucratic problem <laughs> precisely yeah and history tells us that has never worked right nope <laughs> all right so tell me what do you think is this is going to do to you know the the investor climate it's going to cause a chilling effect where investors are going to be afraid to invest uh, actually uh, a friend of ours mohit satyan had written in in the pragati magazine that he as an angel investor was starting to get income tax notices where the IT department wanted his uh, returns for the past 3 years oh, to check on his angel investments okay. so this you know he laughed it off but this kind of creates this this scenario where even angel investors are pardon the pun fear to tread <laughs> right so i and uh, just think about it in terms of you know what incentives are you actually building for people who are willing to invest who have the money right um i i myself have seen a few tweets from these angel investors saying i'm going to back off for now right i'm not going to invest any more in the the indian startup because uh of course there is fear right they don't want to be part of a company which is going to get taxed and thus it's going to hurt their valuation and their potential going forward so obviously you know uh, angel investors will stay away but think about again the bigger picture uh at a time when investment is falling our uh, rate of you know capital formation is actually falling and that is the need of the hour in fact to revive some kind of growth and employment creation you're introducing things like this uh, again what we spoke about last time the uh, e-commerce regulations things like this all of this is going to create a really uh, negative kind of investment climate no one would want to come and invest in india what message are you giving out to people right Yes, that's completely correct. So uh, one of the things is that you need to register as an angel as well. You, oh right, of you need to have two crores as a net uh, worth and an income of fifty lakhs per year. Right now, what happens to those who are retired, who have a large net worth but no income? Right, uh, they won't be qualified as angels. But then you are losing out on an important investor class. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. we we are causing more and more uh, roadblocks you know barriers yeah to investing prime minister modi ji keeps talking about startup india but it's now sounding a lot like rhetoric 
because the substance tells us that startup India has a lot of, you know, it's like roadblock India right now. <laughs> Seriously. I, yeah, it's because it's not just one sector or one thing, right? We've continuously done this uh, over, it's not just this government, it's a, because again, angel tax was introduced in 2012. Um, we've done this for the last 10, 15 years at least, uh, where we've gone out and said we want foreign investment, we want investment to come from abroad, we want domestic savings rate to increase, we want domestic investment to increase, etc. Jobs are the need of the hour. All of this is what we say and then we do something entirely different. We do everything that we can to actually drive away investment. We do everything that we can to reduce the savings rate. We do everything that we can to stop people from investing and to actually, you know, you know, produce goods and services, employ thousands of people. Uh, it's just the revealed, as we say, the revealed preference. It, it is exactly like that. You say one thing, but you do entirely different. But investors are smart across the world, right? They don't care about your rhetoric. They see what you do. And yeah. your actions speak way louder than your words. Correct. So there was an article yesterday in the Business Standard about Amazon rethinking its priorities in India. Yeah. So Amazon was willing to invest, you know, many billions of dollars in India. And now it's going to rethink whether it's going to invest in India. And part of it is this, uh, is this confusion and uh, there's no, there's no definite idea of what the investment climate looks like. It's so nebulous and so ambiguous right now yeah. that, that gives investors, uh, you know, th there's no direct, uh, how do I put it? Uh, th there is no clear indication given to investors that they should invest or not Precisely. invest. For, I mean, ultimately, if you want investment to thrive, then one of the even before you go into the ease of doing business, even before you go into uh, reducing transaction costs and so on, the first thing you can do is actually give policy certainty. I think right. that is that is uh, the top, should be the top ranking priority, right? So even if it is a bad policy, but if it is, you know, there is certainty around it, then firms can know how to deal with that, right? And they'll factor that in with their plans, long-term plans and the visions and so on. But if you keep changing these things around, if you keep adding new uh, thing, or you have, let's say you have a policy, uh, which is not, which you have not enforced for the last five years. So firms will actually begin to think, okay, this is something that uh, they're not serious about, so we can plan around that. And then suddenly you start enforcing it, right? Uh, all of this leads to massive confusion and no investor, because as, as it is for investors, there's the actual risk. There's a financial market risk. There's the risk of whether that startup will do well or not. And there's uh, other kinds of, you know, probably exchange rate risk. There's other things that they'll have to do and they can hedge. But uh, policy risk is one of those things that they can't predict. Right. And there's no financial market tools available to actually deal with uh, policy risk, right? You can't hedge against yes. policy risk. So uh, the one thing that is expected of governments, of regulators, is to provide policy certainty. Which they haven't done. Which they haven't done. The other thing I was thinking about coming to my favorite topic of discussion, jobs, is that, you know, the government keeps talking about how they want to encourage startups and then, you know, have small businesses, yeah. then create jobs. Uh, but if you are going to put roadblocks in front of small businesses, if you're going to put roadblocks in terms of this angel tax, what happens is that they are going to either decide not to invest in India at all perhaps do their startup somewhere else and therefore not create the jobs in India. Which a lot of companies do, by the way. I mean, every company would like to register in Singapore and then have, uh, you know, main office there and so on. 
uh and probably work here or just completely go out of india and uh, you know set up elsewhere yeah so we'd most probably see this affecting not just investment climate but also jobs also the the general economy as a whole might be affected absolutely so the yeah um just before we wrap up uh even before all of this i had a big problem with startup india as it is because um the government also has very strict definition of what a startup is and why should the government define startups yeah, precisely it says it should be innovating it should be in only these sectors by the way they define the sectors it bt etc etc and uh, a whole set of classification so which means that if you're you know if you're not an app based uh, typical startup that the government imagines then you know uh, you don't even get the kind of concessions that uh, the startups did right which was a seven year tax window etc etc so um, that definition is worrisome and i think the final kind of comment that i have on this is um, again what are the kind of incentives you're creating for startups now what incentives are you creating for new startups to actually emerge none because um, funding is such a big problem availability of credit now a startup cannot go to a bank and get a loan right because it's too risky they don't have enough collateral etc so banks will be very wary of giving loans to startups correct right you don't have a corporate bond market even if it is there it's only for triple a uh, you know bonds for anything for as risky a bond such as this i mean a company like this there's no way that you can get it and anyway you can't enter the bond market because they're too small and and it's uh, too early it's so too early in there's this thing um what what other i mean ultimately startups in india relies on either your parents or your in-laws money now that is a very shoddy way of doing business right i mean that it's not a sustainable long term vision for uh, indian entrepreneurship and you really don't want to ruin your family relations <laughs> by having your parents or your in-laws get a tax notice saying oh you gave a few lakhs to your son <laughs> you have to pay tax on that yeah so so um the yeah there's just availability of credit and and source of funding as it is is very limited in a company uh, in a country like india and you're just making things worse by doing something like the angel tax so um there there has been very detailed analysis out there which says that we can uh, there are different methods of dealing with the the abuse of let's say uh, investment into startups you know if you're doing for money laundering etc there are other ways to deal with it uh, you don't need angel tax for that so what say abolish the angel tax of course i think uh, you know it it's something I that mean, doesn't serve a purpose yeah given to you to abolish all taxes but let's be <laughs> you know me so well on a firm so yes i think the angel tax is something that's coming in the way of investments and coming in the way of actually helping our economy itself grow so we should abolish it and look for other ways of 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 taxing the startup and look for other ways of uh, checking which are shell companies and you know rooting out uh, uh, money laundering exactly thank All you right. so much anupam thank you thank you so much